This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. How important is character to your business life? Very important. Our next guest, Cameron Taylor, actually wrote a book on it. He actually wrote a bunch of books on it where he identifies very specific character traits, laws he calls them, that are going to be the difference between your ability to be successful or not. And he actually, and what I love about this interview, shows how he applied it into his own life to achieve enormous success. Check it out. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Cameron Taylor, he is a best-selling author, a highly sought-after speaker, and an entrepreneur. He's the author of multiple books that have received endorsements from Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager, from Stephen, Dr. Stephen Covey. If you haven't seen what he's wrote, and I don't know where you are, but he's written uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Billionaire John Huntsman, the owner of The Orlando Magic, um, the author of The Millionaire Next Door. He has been all over the circuit. He is a graduate with honors from business school. He's the founder of several successful companies and charities. He is the founder of the Glorious Cause of America Institute and serves on its board of directors, and he has received the Circle of Honor Award for being an exceptional example of honor, integrity, and commitment. Cameron, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you. So I want to jump right in because I, I know you wrote multiple books. There's one book in particular that I really identified with, and this is what the show really is about. Um, the goal of Unlocking Greatness is to identify areas of our lives that are hidden. We all have greatness within us. We just have to unlock it. It's there. We just, how do I get it? What do I do? How do I sort of take it from the vault and sort of open it up? And many times the way to get that answer is really to look at people that have done it before and to do it yourself. And this is exactly the subject of your book, Eight Attributes of Great Achievers. And I love the book. Um, And I want to delve right into it because you have some great principles in it. Before I do, though, what was your, if I can ask, your motivation, if you will, for writing a book like that? Well, I think it it goes along with what you're doing with your podcast here is that unlocking greatness. And I love reading biographies. I love studying the lives of other individuals who I view as having developed uh, various character attributes that I wanted to emulate myself. And so as I would read through these biographies, I would start to, to see a pattern of certain principles they followed, certain character attributes they developed, and that kind of involved into pulling some of those stories and attributes from the different uh, mentors that I had through reading their biographies and putting them together into a book to hopefully then inspire others to to live a life of excellence and to develop these attributes of greatness that these individuals that I featured in the book had had done. So I, it's 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 amazing, and I think it's so incredibly important that you did that. I, but one question that I had before we even go into it is, how did you get there? Meaning, I know a lot of people that are 
in need of greatness, right? There are a lot of people that are struggling out there. And it wouldn't even dawn on them to like say, hey, wait a second. Here's an individual who is a world leader. Here's an individual who is a billionaire or an athlete, whatever. And I could learn from them. There must be something that you've learned in your life that gave you the place, if you will, the confidence or the humility or uh, or the um, the idea that you can somehow connect your life with the life of great people. Well, I think that's one of the things I liked about reading about these great achievers that oftentimes we see them late in their life after they've achieved this level of, of success. And one of the stories that I love is is the story of Gandhi. And a lot of times we see him receiving the, the praise and we see that the accomplishment of freeing 500 million people from the rule of Great Britain. We see him being called the Mahatma, the great soul. But what we don't often see is that as a 16-year-old boy, he slept with the light on because he was afraid of the dark. Oh, wow. That he ran, he ran home from school every day because he didn't want to talk to anyone. So right when that bell rang, he would run home so he wouldn't have to talk to anyone. And you start to see he started what he called my experiment with truth. And Mm -hmm. as he did that, he started to transform his life as he said, okay, let me find those principles. I see that there's certain principles, things I've followed. And as I've come up with challenges, his kind of approach was to run from his challenge. And and he'd just find himself with a new challenge in a different situation. And then he says, well, I've got – he started to realize that if I want to achieve success in my life that – Hey, I need to change myself, not change my circumstances. And and so it was exciting to see this this boy who was scared of the dark and ran home from school transform himself into what was now called the Mahatma, the great soul, and right. see him then have impact on hundreds of millions of people. And that's the exciting thing when you read about all these people, whether it's Walt Disney or Sam Walton or Warren Buffett, George Washington, you see as you wind back, you see I started to see, hey, they weren't that much different than me. They all, we all have to start out at a point. It's like we all started out not knowing how to walk. And we had to learn how to crawl, and then we had to take those stops. We all had to fall down hundreds of times until we learned how to walk. And so seeing that, 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 gave, me, that gave me hope because sometimes we see these people after decades of, of practicing these principles and decades of learning and growing, they say, man, I could never be like that. But you right. wind them back and it's like, hmm, scared of the dark and running home from school. Hey, I can relate with that. Right, right, <laughs> right. Know, if you can transform from that to where he went, then I started to see that it was just – and I started to see that there was these certain principles of truth. I said, okay, if I follow these principles, whether I'm old or young, regardless of my background, regardless of my past, I was like, if, if I follow these principles – they they produce these certain results. And so I said, the only thing that stands between where I am and where I want to be is time and effort, learning these truths, applying these truths, and becoming like these these great individuals. So That's, that's a great point, and, and I think it's something that most of us don't get, and I think it's only getting worse in that maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, there was a certain sense of you had time to develop. I think today, especially in the business world and the sensationalists of the media, every morning you're reading another story about some 22-year-old billionaire who was like, you know, in his college dorm last week and now he's worth 
forty million, and you're going, what? 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 What, what just happened? Like, I'm 24. How come I'm not a billionaire? My life wasn't figured out, and it's perfect. And like everywhere we turn, right? Doesn't it seem like there is no more runway? Like at my, at fourth grade, you've got to be scoring top of the class. And I, I think in many ways, you're, what you're saying and what you're preaching and what you're teaching is really almost like a return to normalcy. Of yeah, there are occasional sort of miracles, but. Most of the time, the way human development really works is we're humans and we develop and we think and we fail and we run away from school if we don't want to talk to people. And even like I was reading in your book, truth is, I didn't even know the Gandhi story because like most people, I just know him. You know, when he made it to the scene called Gandhi, right? Like, it's yes. like Bob Dylan once said, I think, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success, right? Like, That's right. And, and when you told that story that I really want to talk about what changed his legal career, right? He had been so nervous to speak in public, and then he figured out that the way you become a great in, in the legal profession is you unite. But the idea to sort of grapple through his own life until he gets his thing is really what is the human story, is it, is it not? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, the other quote is similar to the one by uh, Bob Dylan there. Cause we, like Sam Walton's one of the uh, individuals we, we feature in the in the book. And on one of the quotes from him that I love, because, again, after he became the richest man in the world and, a, you know, a multi-billionaire, that everyone's like, wow, look, they're, they were calling him an overnight success. <laughs> And in one of his interviews, that's what he said. He said, yes, like most overnight successes, it was 20 years in the making. Right, right. It's great. And, it's uh, true. <laughs> but again, they, don't, they didn't talk about all those, you know, his, his failed Ben Franklin store, these other things that the challenges and struggles he went through. But before he became, you know, the richest man in the world, we just see, you know, that, that image then portrayed once he's achieved that, that accomplishment. But it was decades of of work and development to get where he was. And, and so the same with the, with the Gandhi story that you look as, as he started his experiment with truth and it, it started, uh, well, his first, he, he went and he did get his degree, um, to, to practice law in England. But even then, even going there, he said every day he cried himself to sleep Wow! and he wanted to go back uh, to India so bad, but he did. He did persist through that and did, you know, complete um, the degree he needed to practice law. But when he got back, it's pretty hard to find a case if you don't talk to people. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so Speaking it took him a long important. time to, to 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 find a case. So he got the degree, but he still hadn't the, developed those skills to talk to people. But he finally got a simple case. Uh, but when it was his turn to stand up in court. Uh, he couldn't speak, and everyone in the courtroom started laughing at him. And he then handed the case over to another lawyer in the room and ran out of the room. And then his family sent him to then do the legal work in in South Africa, and he thought it was going to be more clerical work. He's like, oh, good, I can do this. You know, I don't have to, to deal with people and can just crunch numbers and do these things. But when he got there, he saw it was much more involved of trying to reconcile uh, different parties that uh, that were in conflict and, and trying to resolve um, those those conflicts and reunite as it was a, a business conflict, but it was between family members. And, and that's where he's, yeah, that's one of the quotes that I love where he talks about learning that he learned that true nature of law 
was to unite people, bring people together, bring that, that harmony back together. And as he started to he and when he got there, he wanted to do the same thing he had always done was run away. He's like, No, I, I this is too hard. I'm gonna go do something else. But that's that's when he really started to say, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to try to be better and, and try to learn and and he got to where he knew more about that case than anybody else on on both sides and and that then began a very, you know, successful uh legal career for him. Right. And and the idea, which really stuck me in the Gandhi story, is, and you bring this up in your book, is this idea of responsibility in which at some point he realizes that um, I have to be a giver. And it's about my character. And it's not about projecting or it's not about telling people how to be great. It's really about being great myself. How much do you see in your in your life, in the, the research that you've done, and the people that you've spoken to since your book, that this idea of taking responsibility – this idea of saying, you know, the change needs to start in me. That story with the I saw in your book, which is a great story that I've heard before. And, and every time I see it, I get inspired with the mom who wants to get his son to stop eating sugar. And Gandhi says, you know, let me you know, come back when I stop eating sugar myself. This idea that, hey, I got to be the change first. How important is that in both Gandhi's career, but also in in the successful world that you're talking about, how does that, how does that, how important is that in, in terms of one's growth? Well, and I think you can look at it, uh, the idea that comes to mind is same with our communication. We know that the actual words we speak are only a very small percent of our communication. So, so much when we're communicating with others or we're interacting with others, what is coming through is who we are. And I've seen that in many cases as I've had I had uh, oh, one of the business partners I had was an amazing innovator. I mean, amazing motivator, fantastic speaker. But he had developed these character attributes that were just phenomenal. And he was like, as he would talk to people, he was also a, a, a great sales uh, individual. And he said, okay, I'd had the scripts. And he's like, I had you know 80% of the people when I would do the script would sign up. And then he said, I gave the same script to the other people in the sales force, and they couldn't get the same results. And so so much of it, it isn't just the words you speak. It's like you can give someone those scripts or those words, but again, that's only a small fraction of what's coming across. It's those, those character attributes of who you are that come through when you speak and interact hmm. with people, and that takes years and decades to develop, and that's – that's where you really start to see that profound effect of Gandhi was was who he became. I mean, mm. he was a man of integrity. He was a man of responsibility. He was a man who led by example. And so as he would speak, his words carried extra power because he lived those truths that he spoke at such a deep and profound level that he was then able to and that's there shouldn't be a separation between the teaching and the teacher and that's one of the things there's a, there's different models of learning and teaching and the the hebrew model of teaching is there should be no separation between what the teacher is and what the teacher teaches and so i think that as we look at that it's like okay you could try to uh, memorize some of the statements or principles of Gandhi that Gandhi taught, but until they become who you are 
and those characters you possess, you wouldn't be able to have that same power and influence as Gandhi had. But Gandhi said this. This is one of my favorite quotes from Gandhi as well is that he said, I claim to be no more than an ordinary individual and that everyone can accomplish the same things I've accomplished if they exercise the same faith and the same diligence and put forth the same effort. Mm-hmm. And so he saw that he was just an ordinary, an ordinary boy who became a the Mahatma, the great soul through through those decades of work and experience, and that anyone else could do that that same thing. But it it isn't something that will happen in a day or a week. <laughs> it's something that does take uh, decades to develop those those character attributes. And I think that's an important thing for people to sort of um, understand, not from the perspective of. Re- achieving it from the perspective of failing at it in that if you know that real character doesn't happen overnight you don't beat yourself up that you're not there because you started working on it yesterday you actually give yourself a little bit of slack and you go listen like it doesn't have to be done by 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 new year's like i can really work on myself over the course of my life have failures go back think and once you pull away the time pressure i think on character that's when you really enjoy if you if you can use that word even to enjoy the building of your character which is ultimately like you said there's no shortcut for truth and it's such a good point that people i don't think fully appreciate that you can say the right words you can do the right things you can follow the right lines you can like you know watch your favorite character on tv and mimic him and wear his clothes and you know but it will come across as being disingenuous unless it is who you are. And who you are is a lifetime of work, and it can't be defined and boxed by a paycheck or a title or some letters after your name. Absolutely. And uh, another great example of that lifetime process is Benjamin Franklin, right. where he actually created a list of those character attributes he wanted. And he did. He kept then a a checklist. He said, "Okay, I'm going to focus on this attribute uh, for this for this uh, you know this week." And he would mark off the mistakes that he made on it. And again, that is part of of learning those principles. He said, "Okay, I want to develop the attribute of humility." Well, I mean, there's many times every day where I violate that principle of humility. But again, having that consciousness to say, "Okay, I want to develop that character attribute," as we identify, okay. This may have been I may have responded with pride in this situation. How could I have responded you know in a in a more humble manner in that situation and he looked at those character attributes and went through and continued to work on those and he gave the analogy of just when you're like weeding a garden you don't uh, eradicate all the weeds at once, but one by one and over a long period of time and that continual process of of becoming yeah. Yeah, I, there, there's another attribute that I love. There's a story you told in there. I don't know if, if you had made it up or you had found it somewhere, but I loved it. It was the story about the fireplace, the story about the boy who wanted to be part of his father's business, and his mom gives him the ten grand. And tell tell me that story because I, I I loved it. Well, the story goes there was a, a businessman who had done very successful with his business, and uh, his son had come and. You know, asked when he could uh, take over the business and when he was going to give him the business. And his dad said he wasn't going to give him anything, but uh, if he would, uh, you know, come with ten thousand dollars, he would give him. Uh, he could buy a small percent of ownership in the company, and he would begin to mentor and train him. And 
So the boy went to his mom and told him of the discussion he had with his father about, um, you know, taking over his father's business and becoming a small owner in the company to learn and be trained, and he needed $10,000. And so she handed him the $10,000, and he went uh, in to see his father, who was in his office uh, reading, and uh, and he gave him the $10,000. He says, here you go. This is the, the money for... For the ownership in the company, and his dad took the ten thousand dollars and threw it in the fireplace. <laughs> I'm thinking ten thousand dollars. That's my first thought. That as well. He's like, "What?" <laughs> he's like, "My dad must be crazy. What is he doing?" And uh, and he's looking at it, and he's uh, and his dad says, "Well, you know, come back when you've really earned the money." And uh, so he goes, and he tells his mom what his dad did, and she's like, "Oh." Could hardly believe it. And so he's like, you got to be more convincing. You can't just go in and hand him uh, the money. So he went out and he you know, ran around for a while, woke, worked up a sweat, got his clothes a little dirty, you know, waited, a, waited a few weeks. And then he went in to his, uh, to his dad again. He says, Dad, I got the $10,000 to buy some interest in the company. And again, the dad took the $10,000 and threw it in the fireplace. And and said, uh, "Come back when you've uh, really earned the money." This company bit and he th- must have been doing really well. It's twenty <laughs> yeah, grand. It's like, the fire. How much money his father makes? Like, but I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he then said, "The son's then asking. He's like, well, how do you know I didn't earn the money?'" And his father responds, "says It's easy to lose something when someone else's money, something you haven't earned." And uh, he said, now come back when you've really earned the money. At this point, the son realized, okay, my dad is not, I'm going to have to really earn it. And he went out and he got all kinds of odd jobs. I mean, had to work very hard, putting in hundreds and hundreds of hours to earn that $10,000. And eventually he did uh, come up after several months of work, had earned the $10,000 and came into his dad's office. And again, gave his dad the $10,000, and his dad again took the $10,000 and threw it in the fireplace. But this time, the son jumps into the fireplace and is pulling the money out of the fire. And his dad responds and says, I see you really earned the money this time. Yeah, I love it. And uh, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that story. And it's such a truism about how easy it is for us to... Um, rely on someone else's kindness and we don't fully appreciate just what that does to our character. And this is one of the things you speak about in your book that I think is so critical for people to get. Until you are willing to be independent of somebody else's largesse, you cannot become the person that you're meant to be. Yes, and that is it's a, uh, being dependent on someone else is a form of bondage. And so right. as you can act independently, and a lot of people will think, you know, that the, that giving your child money or things that you're helping them, but all the research shows that the more money that you give to a child, the actually the less money they produce in adulthood. And those wow. who are given less produce more, and there's been study after study that shows that. And so it's helping them. So you don't want to give an individual money. You want to give them opportunity. You want to help them 
develop and learn how to work. I think that was one of the things I'm most grateful to my father for was teaching me the principle of hard work mm-hmm. and learning how hard it is to make, you know, $8. I worked in a lumber mill for, you know, for, for six months to earn money for uh, the service mission that I served and to earn money for college. And yeah, made seven ninety an hour stacking lumber eight hours a day with wow. you know, three 10 minute breaks. And during those breaks, you had to eat and go to the bathroom, everything else. And then you were back you know, stacking lumber, but you learn, you know, how hard it was to earn seven ninety, you know, for, for that hour of work. But it helped, it helped you to become that if someone just had given me that money, um, you'd never develop the, the, that character attribute of, of work ethic, which now has uh, served me well in in all the different things I've been able to do. Yeah. The, the idea that, I wonder, and I'd love your thoughts on this. I wonder what comes first. It's the, is it the independence? I guess that's what you're saying, which is the independence is what leads to the work ethic, right? It's a work ethic isn't something that is in 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 viewed in us in a way we we deep down don't want to work we're, we have bodies we're we want to be lazy we want to just have things ordered for us we like we want things to happen you know immediately i'll tell you a quick a funny story my now we're in the world back in the old days we used to buy something to go to stores remember the good old days you had to go to an actual store <laughs> yeah. now you should go you go to a screen so my son my seven my seven-year-old son was like you know i don't know my my, my wife made him a chart you know like to get the kids to do anything they won't listen to you but if you make a chart all of a sudden they start listening if there's a check on some cardboard on on, on like some paper in your room it becomes uh, a reason to do things so my, my wife finishes his chart and he gets his presents he goes downstairs and my wife sits with him in front of amazon.com and he gets to pick on his thing and he clicks his his present and then he gets up from the dining room table he walks to the door he opens the door and goes where is it <laughs> where, where's the guy what do you mean we ordered it and I don't know where the guy like as if like a man magically appears and says I don't you need to like go do something no the world just sort of at this point just hands it to you you know like the the idea that you just we have to like go out and fight and where I remember growing up also like my dad owned the pizza store like and I'll never forget like there was a summer where all my buddies were like sitting around in camp by the pool and like my father's like listen like you're becoming an adult you're 17 years old like you're working in the store. And I'm like, what? And I spent a summer with my hands in the pizza oven and taking the orders of like eight-year-old kids. And and the idea that at some point in your life, you have to sort of draw out all the dependents that are um, holding you in is the – I think it's this combination, and I love your thoughts, is – it's almost as if the freedom of independence is also the responsibility of independence. And without that, I don't know how you can develop a work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. That I think that uh, they do go hand in hand um, of that independence and the work ethic. And you kind of have – I think you're developing both at the same time. And so if someone is – is always given or handed things. If your dad, instead of having you work in the pizza shop, would have just given you free pizza and given you a monthly allowance to go play, I mean, your your attitude towards money and work would have would have developed very differently than having to actually earn and work and 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 to just to help people develop that attribute of independence. For me, it was always like I remember some of my brothers asking my parents for money. And to me, I was like, I will, I did, I couldn't even fathom that concept because I was like, if I'm asking them for money, there was always ties to it. 
You know, it's like, right. well, you can have the money if you do this or this or this. And I was like, I knew that being able to produce myself created that independence. And I valued independence so much that I knew, okay, I have to find a way to be able to produce and create on my own so I'm not dependent on someone else, you know, deciding what they're going to give me or what I'm going to receive. It's like, okay, let me develop. Let me go work, work hard and earn it. And then, and then I do have that independence to decide, you know, how I want to use the money and how much I want to earn and, and what I want to do with my life without having to, to be under the dictates of uh, other people. And we see that happen way too often in society to where people do become dependent on someone um, for their livelihood or for money in one regard or another, but then they also then become dependent on that person. And uh, that's never a good situation for, for anyone to be in. It, it sounds to me as I'm hearing you speak, especially in the first two principles that we hit, is that they both necessitate a certain sense of self-confidence. Meaning, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be independent if I don't deep down believe that I can do something, if, I, if I'm good enough. If I don't feel like I have what to offer, then I'm not going to have the confidence to go out on my own and, like you said, choose to not take it but to create it. Um, and if I'm not feeling self-confident, I don't think I have the confidence that I'm going to give my character or and people are not going to you know, come back and take advantage of me. Do you feel that it is confidence, self-confidence, self-worth that is the underlying core to what you need to do to, before you get to these values? I think there is. That is as you – as I interview various people, mentor different individuals, there is a – unfortunately, there is a belief among many people that it's just like like I'm not deserving or somehow I'm not good enough and – I think once they can get that that hope, that belief to where they say, hey, I can do this. I can become like these individuals. I can create. I can work. And so I think a lot of it is giving them that hope and understanding that um, – I remember I was, I was teaching at a, at, a, at a prison. And I remember one of the, uh, the, the prisoners, as we're, we're discussing different principles, you know, he – I was trying to get them to, to get that vision of what they wanted their life to be like. And eventually, you know, sometimes a discussion in a prison is kind of hard to create, you know. So, but one of them finally, you know, described the life that he wanted with, uh, with a happy home life and uh, a home and a career and, and uh, just helping him see that I said, well, why are you here in prison? He said, well, for drugs. And I was like, well, will drugs take you towards that ideal life you described of a happy family and a beautiful home and a career and or away from it and I'll never forget his response where he says I can have both that he and just helping him see and my response to him was then I said okay if you touch a hot stove um will you get burned and he's like well of course I will and I was like and I was like helping him to see that there's choice and, and consequence to those choices. And I was like, well, you're in prison because of your choice um, to use and deal drugs. And to help him see that he had never really put that simple concept together of that there are these truths. And when you, you follow this truth, this is the natural consequence. And, and he kind of got defensive and he's like, he's like, okay, you're, you're obviously successful. Um, but he's like, I could never do what you do. 
And it was kind of this idea, and I was like, I know where I started out. I know I'm a a very you know, weak individual. I have no extraordinary talent or ability. I'm just like everybody else and started out in life like everyone else. And, uh, and, but again, he could then see that I had achieved a level of success at that point and being a best-selling author and having several different successful companies. And, and here he is in prison just saying, there's no way I could do what you do. And, uh, and I said, okay, you stand on your chair, I'm going to stand on my chair. Okay, and on the count of three, we're going to jump off our chair. And to see him, he reluctantly finally got on his chair, and, and we both then jumped off at the same time. I guess, look what happened. I was like, there's a principle called gravity, and it affected us the same way. You know, regardless of what state you're from, what's your ethnic background, whether you're white or black, whether you're male or female, we jump off the, uh, off the chair and gravity affects us both the same way. And he started to see, he's like, okay, then, well, how do I then achieve that life I desire? It's like, you start your experiment with truth, as did Gandhi. You learn these principles. You start applying them and you start saying, okay, well, what choices lead to that life that I want? And he started to have that belief that it was possible and to see that, well, the only thing that was different between him and me were the choices that we made. And he starts making different choices. He can start getting different results and can start becoming a different individual. And to start him to just see him transforming. But you have to have that belief that it's possible. And I think, unfortunately, there are people that just that don't think they could do it or don't think they're smart enough or, or don't have the, the skills or the talents. But but we all can. That's the that's. That's the exciting principle. That's one of the the good news of life, that we all can become what we want to be um, by by applying, making different choices and applying different truths. What do you tell somebody that says, you don't know me, I, I'm really not good enough, I'm really, I, I can't, you can, I know it's in you, I know that you've... I know you think that you're regular, but you're not just regular. You've got this, you've got that, you're articulate, you're talented, blah, blah, blah. My life, I grew up in this neighborhood, in this environment. My parents so you did this to me. I've got – what kind of what, – what can you respond to the person that says, I don't have that possibility. It didn't come my way. I think one of the things that I, I pray for is I'm meeting with different individuals or even there when I'm going to speak at a, a prison, or speaking at a school, or speaking to a group of entrepreneurs, the different groups you go into, I say, help me see these people as God sees them. And to help them see themselves as God sees them. Because we are all children of a loving Heavenly Father. And as we recognize that principle, that we are sons and daughters of a divine creator and you help them to start to see that and that help them to see that the seeds of greatness are within them that God created us were created in the image of God it says in the old testament and so as they start to to really understand who they are from that standpoint and as I can try to see I pray for eyes to see them as as the as God sees them, 
and then to help them to start to see themselves in that way. And a lot of times that transformation, there's, there's, it's then helping them connect to that higher power, helping them feel of that love of the, of their heavenly father. And, and then from that, they said, God created us all with, with talents and we're also here for a mission. So as you start helping them see that there are things you can do to make this world a better place. There's lives that you can touch and bless in ways that no one else can. And as they start to see that, then that starts to give them that belief. Because mm-hmm. they start to see their divine potential. And not just uh, from what the world's telling them or what experiences told them because there are people that come from very hard situations and and i said regardless of what your past has been your future can be different Mm -hmm. and uh, and again you have to give them that hope and that belief and they start to see okay i see that potential and actually helping them see in these different individuals as they start hearing those stories as I tell them the stories, they, I, I was just uh, speaking at uh, one of the universities that's just uh, 15 minutes from where I live, and I was speaking to a group of, of the entrepreneur club there. And, uh, you know, I shared the story of my writing career starting out with an F paper, you know, in school. And I, I started out, my first business failed. I couldn't get hired. At I, I went, after my first business failed, I went for... Six months without work. I have. I still have my file. I have scores of rejection letters from different jobs I applied for. And again, I graduated with honors from business school, but I, I couldn't get a job. I now joke with people saying I said I had to start my own business. I was the only person who would hire me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but they started to see that, and they started to see. Uh, they said, and they I, several of the students came out. They said, "You made this so relatable." You know, I can relate to getting an F on a paper. I can relate to not, you know, being rejected from this job. And they start to see, instead of seeing me now after decades of of work and experience, they could see, hey, will you wind it back to when he was a college kid? Hey, he wasn't that much different than me. Right. And they're like, okay. It starts to give them that belief. Or you start seeing, you wind back on Gandhi or the Wright brothers or Benjamin Franklin. They say, hey. He wasn't that much different of a high school student or a college student or a beginning business person than than you are. And that's, that then gives them the like – and they start to see, okay, if that person can go from there to where they are then – and to help them see, you mm-hmm. can too. Right. But again, the – it, it's still an interesting perception. Again, we have technologies. You talked about that story with your son that we get this instant gratification, that we start to think that, that everything is instantly, even character, business success, or whatever it is, that it just comes instantly. And I remember I, I learned how to um, – because I, I love reading. And so I had a list of thousands of books I wanted to read, but I was a very slow reader. And so – but that belief, I remember seeing an infomercial where a guy saying he could read thousands of words a minute. But see, that belief, because when I saw it, I was like, well, as long as it's real, because not everything's real, so let me see if he really can do it. But if he can do it, then I had that belief that I could do it. I just had to learn those principles. Right. I spent three years. I worked every day. I spent time every day 
And after three years, I got to where I could read thousands of words a minute. Wow. And I, but I, my senior year, I would have people that would come up to me and they would be like, and they're like, wow, how did you, how did you do so well on that test? How are you doing this? It's like, uh, you wrote and published a book your senior year while you're still taking full credit load. You're also working and you have a business. It's like, well, how are you doing all these things? I was like, well, I've been able to, to do my studies a lot faster now because now I can read what it used to take me an hour to read. I can read in you know 10 minutes. And they're like, oh, great. They're like, I got a test next week. Can you teach me how to speed read? <laughs> You're like, oh, I got a test tomorrow. Teach me how to do it. And I was like, I can teach you how to do it. But it took me three years of work every day. And I said, you put in that time. You could, you could learn to do that as well. But again, they have to have the belief. But it was always – they would see me at that point. And right. I remember at some of those points where they would hand me a textbook, an 800-page textbook, and I would read it from start to end. Remember, and, uh, and it's either just like, oh, this guy is just some – well, he's just brilliant. You know, he's a genius. He was born that way. And I was like, I got a 13 on the ACT in reading my senior year in high school. Right. You know, I had read very few books. And I was like, if I was just a natural genius, I was like, well, why did I, why was I in the bottom 10% that made the top 90% possible? You always see those percentiles. Well, I was one of those that made those top percentiles possible. And they then, but helping them see that process and pattern that again, it's not something you're going to learn in a week or or in a month. Now, again, you could improve and and double your reading speed in a few months and do that. But they start to see that, and then again, as they see, oh, well, he wasn't just this this you know freak of nature and born intellect, but that it was developed. And they think, oh, okay, well, well, this uh, this guy, he seems like a an ordinary guy, and so if he could do it, then then maybe I can too. Right. And uh, I, I think you're making the, the exact point, which is this is the underlying idea that people need to fully appreciate, which is if someone can do it, in all likelihood you can do it too. Only if you deep down believe that where you are does not necessarily dictate where you're going, because you have a source of power that is within you that is beyond your circumstance. And I think the more people get this, the more people see what's possible in their lives. I know that time is getting a little tight. I want to ask you one more question, then I want to go to two sort of rapid-fire practical questions. Um, You know, anyone who's ever seen a movie, you know that there's a certain sort of arc of a movie. There's a moment where the hero has to, you know, deal with whatever he's dealing with as a catalyst and you know like for example yours was probably when you realized that you couldn't get a job you came out with a, with you graduated business school but like you said and then you know you don't you stumble you stumble you stumble you stumble but then you start to hit some successes right you get some wins you get some wins you get some wins and then now not, life isn't a movie but usually in someone's arc of their life there's a moment after you start after your wins where you hit a wall where Something goes wrong where you thought it'd be like this and it's not. And a person has to then sort of find a character value that is within themselves that is the driving energy that gets them over that wall. Did you have that in your career? Did you have that moment after you were out there, after you got your books and your wins where you you hit a wall and it was new and it was different and you needed to find something inside to get you over that? What was the wall and what was the thing that you found, if at all? 
Well, the company that I started after, yeah, being unemployed for many months and being rejected from the Sears call center for a job for six fifty an hour, <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, started a, a new business. And again, in that that first year of business, um, we really didn't make any money. Um, but then in month thirteenth, we had we had great success, and then it continued to grow. That business grew to where we were doing from, you know. Um, a million a year to a million a month wow. to a million in a day as we work towards those goals. So over that five five year period, we went from yeah our first full our second year of business we did that million a year, and then we had grown it to where we were having million dollar days. Wow! And and so it was like everything was going. Great, and that that the, the business was my experiment with truth. I was actually hired as a ghostwriter uh, for an entrepreneur to write a book on how to become financially independent and to build businesses. And I was like, so I studied dozens and dozens of books. I was like, wow, man, I ought to you know apply these principles in my business. And the idea was to take it from idea to ten million a year in five years. Well, we superseded all those numbers over that five year period. But at that five year period, my business partner made some different life choices. And it got to the point where um, we parted ways, and and uh, they weren't uh, paying my my profit sharing owed me millions of dollars, and and uh, I chose to uh, to walk away from the company and and start writing full time. Um, but that was, I mean, here what this he was my best friend, my mentor. I named my oldest son after this man. And to then have him go from my best friend to my biggest adversary and to then have him steal millions of dollars from me, then to sue me two days before Christmas after I left because they thought for sure I would be suing them. I was like, why in the world are you suing me? I said I was just walking away. I'm going to go do something else. And he's like, well, we thought for sure there's no way anyone's going to walk away from millions of dollars. And so we didn't want to be a defendant in a suit. We wanted to be the plaintiff. It gives us a better position. And I was like, I was like, I'm not dealing with any of this till the new year. I'm going to enjoy the holidays, and you know, and I'll go meet with my legal counsel at that point. But, but we were able to 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 then resolve that uh, fairly quickly because I I wasn't uh, interested in in being involved with litigation. I'd read too much about different people that had got pulled into litigation and it took years off their life and destroyed their creativity. So what got me through that is because it was very challenging. I was like, will I ever seen some of those negative sides of business? I saw so many mo- you know, positive model, you know, models of business, but to then have it didn't have that fairy tale ending. We had the great story, but the ending was anything uh, but fairy tale. But I guess the principle that, that kept coming to me was that one, uh, to forgive, and that uh, even with all the negative things that they chose to do to me, they couldn't choose. They couldn't dictate how I would feel or respond to what they did to me, and that I could still choose to forgive, and could still move on. But then also the principle of creation, and that I was like, well, let me go build and create um, other things. And that at the time I walked away from the company, where we were doing. 
well, about a hundred million a year in sales, had four hundred employees. But I was like, you're not following the true principles. This will not be sustainable. Will not last. And so I went to write books and create, and have since built other um, successful companies, um, and have had now several best-selling books since that time. So I, I focused on creating and building and and do something new. And what surprised me was that in that same 18 months, well, that eight, 18 months later, I got called back in to uh, to meet with my former business partner, and yeah, the the company they they were gone. They went from. Wow. We had no debt. Wow! And but they were now twenty million dollars in debt. They laid off all four hundred employees. The company was gone, and uh, it was just so sad to see that, that you know there's certain principles that that apply to success. And so the way I respond to it, I was like, I was able to then go rebuild and create. I was like, well, you can take that from me. So that was very hard. That was like having when you spend five years building something. And to have it taken from you. Yeah, it's like the fire story, right? Throwing the money it's, in the fire. Oh, it was just, it was crushing. Many, many days of, 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 yeah, brought me to tears on many occasions where you just felt crushed. But what, what, what uh, removed that, those feelings was the feeling of creation. And, and to still get that emotion to say, but again, you still, you still had that sense of like, do I want to build something again? Knowing that it may be taken from me again, or to have that feeling to where it's just like, do I want to spend five years again to then have it destroyed in some some fashion? And so there was a sense of me that just said, I don't want to do that again. But, but it's just, but you have to create. It's like you have to then say, what can I do to make the world a better place? And then there were several of the employees that would say, hey, we're out of work. Can you rebuild something for us? And then that got me, you know energized to say okay i want i want to you know help these people and these are people i love they're my friends and so let's let's rebuild some some things so they can get back to work and and we can start having the positive impact like we were having before and and now the that those companies have continued to go on well and learning from those mistakes we've been able to set those things up so we're much more likely to have happy endings (laughs) so yeah that's amazing, and what's what's what that is an amazing story of character. And what what as you're speaking, a, a quote popped into my head, and I actually then we said, wait a second, I've seen this recently, and it was actually in your book. Um, one of my favorite quotes of all time is by a psychologist named Viktor Frankl, who says that the in between stimulus and response, man has the freedom to choose. There's you can't when he was in the Holocaust and they basically pulled everything away from him. He then realized that. You can't choose my response to what you've done to me, and that what you just the story you told over, which I am in, I'm positive that the listeners are going to be inspired by, is the story of the person who does have, if you will, the world against him, or so it feels, and as opposed to responding and lowering himself and mudslinging and and losing everything because you feel that like I'm I'm up against the wall and all my character values are now gone. The the idea that when you're in a place where they take away the things that belong to you to double down on your character, to double down on your freedom and your power, to believe more in creativity and creation, that seems counterintuitive 
But it is that moment where you become where you become. When you, that's where your character comes out. It doesn't come out when life is handed. When, when, when your best friend's handing you bonus checks, you, you know, big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, wow, you're a good like, guy. Welcome to being yeah. a normal. But it's when, it's when they're sending you litigation letters two days before the holidays. You go, well, well wait a second. I could curse, scream, yell, and sue you right back, or I could take a step back, find my, my, my core. And that's, you know, I, that's when you become who you become. And I think that's the measure of the man. And, and this is the story that I think you're telling the world. And I hope that the world hears, which is when you really double down on your character, it may be for a short time, you look like you're losing, but when you, when you measure it over the long run, um, you win. And I would even go as far as to say that even if you didn't rebuild a business, it wouldn't even matter because you as a husband, you as a father, you as a community member, you still won. It, the, the winning is when you are transcending yourself past the, the rat race and, and the fights. Um, and like you said, and I know we're, we're, we're at a time, but like you said in your book even, I thought, which is great, which is creationism means I don't have to take from you to feel like I am um, – I'm growing, and, and I, I appreciate you saying that, and I think that's exactly uh, an important point for people to take home. Yes, that uh, that belief in creation and abundance, and uh, so that that was the yeah you had that was some hard choices, and a lot of people were thinking it was crazy not to not to counter sue or try to uh, you know focus on that. But I looked again, again the business is only one aspect of my life. Again, my my roles as a, a husband and father are are more important uh, than anything that I do. But so I try to have balance in those areas of of family, of business, of philanthropy, and of and of ministry. And so as I'm, I wanted so even when I started out in building the business and those things, they wanted to be able to succeed in all those areas. And in studying the lives of some different successful entrepreneurs. I saw some that made that their sole focus and they became wild, wildly successful as an entrepreneur, but they lost their families. And they'd say there were, you know, it's like, there's like, now they're like, I wish I could go back. I missed too many things of my children's childhood or, you know, the strain of all the time spent at the office that, you know, resulted in a divorce. And the question then I started asking, I was like, well, could you do both? And they said, yes, I could have done both. It just would have had that, that perspective and balance from the beginning. And so there's a lot of things that are, that are much more important. And that was the hardest thing for my friend is like, although, you know, he was making millions a month, um, to see him, he did, he lost his family. And that was so hard to see. I mean, seeing the business, go down that was hard because it was something we had worked hard to create it was like seeing uh you know one of your children uh you know being uh adopted and beaten but at which is very hard to to see but it was much harder to see him lose those things that that have eternal value and eternal significance in his his wife and his children and to see those relationships fail and that yeah that that caused many uh many nights of of heartache and pain cameron i I gotta say that i really appreciate you taking the time and 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 you're pushing for a character-based success is a 
a very welcome part of our economic environment and a very welcome part of our education. And I, I, I wish you only the best of luck, and I wish um, you only the greatest things. How do people find more of you? If I, I'm listening to this and I, I want to read the book, I want to get to you, what do I got to do to find you? Yeah, they can go to my website. It's uh, CameronCTaylor.com. They can go also go on to Amazon. They type in my name, Cameron C. Taylor. Uh, they'll see my books listed there on Amazon as well, the print books and the Kindle books. And and then there's some there's some resources on my personal website, my blogs there, although I don't uh, blog too often there. But it does have some excerpts from some of the different books and articles there on, on CameronCTaylor.com. They can also purchase my books and invite me to come speak to different groups uh, through that website as well. Great. And also on our website at charliehari.com, we're going to have all of the show notes from this show laid out in front of you. Um, and on the bottom of those show notes, you'll have um, all of Cameron's stuff as well. So if you want to find it there, you can. Cameron, I, I thank you again, and I wish you only the best uh, of luck in your amazingly wonderful endeavors. Well, I have really enjoyed uh, meeting you and speaking with you. This is the first time we've got to uh, connect and engage, and I can feel that you are a man that that I relate well with, that I could tell we, from the minute I I saw you and could speak to you, you are a man of character. You're a man who who possesses many of these attributes that, that I speak of in the books, and so I'm very glad to have a another friend of, of character. So thank you. Thank you. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.